The Parking Podcast is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association for professionals in parking, mobility, and transportation. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hello and welcome to The Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Returning to the podcast, actually, is best-selling author Larry Cohen. How are you doing today, Larry? Isaiah, every day is a good day, just some days are a little bit better than others. I hear you. I hear you. But I'm kidding. But actually, your book was number one transportation book on Amazon for a while last week. So congrats. That's awesome. I was fortunate to get my hands on an early edition of the book. Thank you for sending that to me. I read it all in one week. It is such a fun book. Great book. We'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, I guess, tell us about the origin here. What made you decide to want to document your journey and uh, all that there is to know about the quirky world of parking? Well, I think like many of us, uh, for me, it was 40 years of saying, you know, that's a story for a book one day. And with COVID, you know, over the last year, it provided me the time to do it since we weren't leaving the house. And to actually see if I had enough stories and material. You know, I had written articles through the years, probably about 2,500 words. Uh, when I did research on really how, how long does a book need to be, they typically said for my type of nonfiction, it should be at least 40,000 words. So I had some mountains to climb at 20 and 30,000 and then 40,000. But I would also, it was a way of dealing with stress. and. I knew what I would publish had not been done before, uh, mixing a parking 101 primer, kind of interlaced with all these crazy real life stories. But I think if I knew in my 20s, I would write a book in my 50s, I might have taken notes along the way. You know, recalling stories many years later was tough, but I always had a pen ready at 3 a.m. in the morning if I woke up remembering any. As someone who's in his 30s, I think that's that's a nice words of wisdom. I'm going to start uh, taking notes. And actually, not to cramp your style, but I just started. I loved what you what you did, the stories you told, and I have so many so many similar stories where a lot of us in this industry have gone through the same same story, but maybe little different characters, different cast of characters, or different endings. Uh, so it's it's I have to start taking taking some some notes. But yeah, you, you kind of touched on that. I love how you. You tell these humorous uh, stories or fun stories, exciting stories, sad stories, and then you mix it in. It's like almost every other chapter, there's a chapter where some really good stuff. I'd give this to any manager who's starting in the industry. Plus, you have all those stories that veteran managers w- would appreciate. So, you know, what made you decide to kind of look at both of those types and merge them together in this book? I think it really came together naturally. Uh... You know, I tapped into my lifetime of management experiences, working for and under different people in different environments, and just taking the good and bad of those relationships. And eventually, you know, that makes you into the manager you are today. I I say with uh, some humor that, you know, staff sometimes ask me, how, how do you seem to always make the right decisions? And I say, it's just really based on experiences and, and learning sometimes the hard way. So there is something good about getting older. 
Hey, and you actually have a, a Cohenism for that. It's uh, I'm trying to remember from my book, but from your book, I think it's uh, I saw that train. What was it? How does it go? The train's on time, something like that, where you kind of know. I, I see the train coming. I see the train coming. It's like it sounds like a Johnny Cash song, yeah. Which basically means get off the tracks and don't get hit by the train. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just another tidbit with the book. Just fun uh, Cohenism s- spread throughout that are, are great to have on hand in the parking industry, but. Uh, quickly, I just want to uh, just talk about some of my favorites uh, moments from the book. This one was my absolute favorite. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one out at you. See how you respond. But you did <laughs> you did a you actually won an award for holding events on your rooftop. So it won a marketing award. You go up, get your plaque, and then like a few hours later, there's a consultant presentation or an article they they wrote about. Uh, garages are for parking, not for events. And I just, I got a crack out of that because that's something that would happen to me. But tell, tell us about that. What is the correct answer? Can you hold events on rooftops or not? Well, I'll first say that, you know, these are the type of stories you can't make up. They actually happen. I was at my state conference and at first I, I thought it might've been a good candid camera episode, like I'm, or I'm trying to get punked. <laughs> um, but uh, I do like the debate and I did like the challenge of premise. It definitely made for a, a really good outcome for everyone in attendance when we uh, debated back and forth about whether you can use the roofs of your garages for events or just for parking. I remember they put up in for Pittsburgh a parade for the Steelers winning the Super Bowl and the hundreds and hundreds of people lining the, the garage for vantage point. And um, yeah, we just we just had a, a really good time debating whether you can have people on the roofs of the garage or not yeah. uh, versus vehicles. I think engineers take the most conservative of approaches. They don't want any liability of any kind. So I think they sway very much conservative and folks who run operations, you know, as long as this doesn't get out of hand, I think you can have a manageable uh, event on your roof. Yeah, I think it was interesting that I can't remember the how many people equal the weight of a car, but when you when you have more than twenty or thirty people per space, it, it adds up. But that was a I just love how how it happened. We're back to back. You win an award, and at the same time, a consultant saying don't do it. But uh, one of my other favorite ones, just because I have a lot of event background, I've managed a lot of March Madness games, championship games. I've uh, managed uh, Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame enshrinement, but you have something similar with the Obama inauguration. So you were working in and around DC, uh, some big ball or event was going on. So you actually and the staff actually spent the night in offices because you figured all the, it'd be too hard to get into work. Uh, so I could just imagine that's something probably happened several parking operations, just have the staff spend the night and ready to go in the morning. Tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, I was working at the George Washington University, which is located less than a mile from the White House and a little over a mile from the Lincoln Memorial. And the Obama administration, the inauguration was coming. They expected over 5 million people. So it was really a high alert event. Entire DC downtown was on lock, felt like a military lockdown and eerily very similar to this past inauguration. So however many years later, it was probably a similar type of situation. Once you entered the city, you could not leave until the inauguration day was over. 
I didn't like sleeping on a cot in my office, but the, the, the expectations of 5 million attendees at the inauguration came in significantly less. I think it might've been in the one or 2 million range and it was handled pretty much without incident, but it was an interesting experience living in a city lockdown and a campus lockdown as well for a presidential inauguration when we had dealt with uh, George Bush's inauguration before that. And it was pretty much uneventful. Yeah, it's a great, great story and great lesson about being planned and prepared in, in, the, in the book. And another one, I think while we're in DC, I think you have, so you have vanity license plates where you parking or park me or whatever your license plate was at the time, but you actually had a neighbor or someone in your neighborhood thought that was unusual and asked if you were in parking and uh, tell us about that one. It's kind of funny how, how, how this happened, a small, small world out there. Yeah. What are the odds in a whole community, large community like Baltimore suburbs, you're going to live two doors away from another parking professional. I could probably use his name. I don't think he would mind. Uh, his name's Rob Stribe. He had been the uh, head of the University of Baltimore parking. Sure. Yeah. He, he had lived there before me. And I had, yeah, I had a parking license plate. You know, I, I show my parking profession proudly on my license plates over the years. I'd park my car in my driveway, wash my car on a weekend. And one day, you know, not too long after he moved in, he came up. He said, are you in the, I just have to ask you, this might come off stranger. Are you in the parking business? Or are you the parking? Like is, is your license like a plate, golf parking? Yeah. yeah. Is your golf, is your, is your license plate golf related or parking related? And of course that triggered the conversation and the friendship all these years. And, and we joke about it to this day. And I actually let him know that it was a story in the book and he was, he was proud of that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What are the odds just that someone would understand what you do that actually lives in your neighborhood. And you're a brave man to be advertising that. Actually, you do give a, a warning that you don't recommend everyone give a, an identifier that you work in the parking industry. And, and kinda, that kind of transitions to my next one. The, the, the collection of nasty grams is what I call them, but I do the same thing. I have, over my years, anytime I've gotten a, something really nasty or funny, I've gotten... Christmas cards sent to the parking authority that that say I hope you get coal. I've gotten funny poems, drawings. So I have this this folder with probably hundreds. So I'm actually going to challenge my listeners if you have stuff like that, send them my way. I might have to make my own book one day of just uh, uh, nasty grams sent to parking people. But uh, you put some of those in, in your in your book. Tell us about your collection there. Yeah, it's kind of ironic because uh, you know I use a developmental editor and. I had actually put copies of the checks and copies of the emails, the actual emails and checks in the book originally. And my developmental editor said, these really don't fit in the tone of your overall book. And I really debated about it because I thought people really need to see the, the nasty side of parking. Uh, we compromised and I took out the physical checks and emails and kind of summarized what they were, because I think it is important to for people to, to understand how difficult our job can be and how crazy people can get over parking related issues. I will say one of them is funny. You did include, 
maybe it's not appropriate for me to say on the on the air, but I'm going to anyway. But they called, you know, your city name instead of parking authority, they put farting authority. <laughs> I did put that one in. I thought that I thought was, that was uh, so funny. At a fifth grade level, I thought that was okay to put the actual. I'm laughing because I'm a fifth grade sense of humor, but that was a good one. That was good. So actually, if I do ever write my parking memoirs, I would actually have a Larry Cohen story in it. Do you want to hear it? Please. Uh, So many years ago, I was at the IPMI conference and my boss, who normally, you know, kind of walks the trade show once and flies out, he said, hey, I want to go to the keynote tomorrow. I'm interested in the speaker. You want to go together? Let's make sure you're there. So I thought, that's strange. Okay, but yeah, no problem. And then the night before I saw you and you said, hey, congratulations on the big award. And I was like, what are you talking about? And you're like, you got the uh, the chairman's award. <laughs> so then so then I put two and two together. I was like, and you said, oh, never mind. Maybe I'm mistaken. And then I put two and two together. I was like, my boss really wants me at the the breakfast tomorrow. Larry said I won some chairman's award. And sure enough, the next day, uh, I'm glad you told me because I put on my nicest suit and made sure I was uh, fresh and had a good cup of coffee and uh, actually got an award from from the chairman, I think Casey Jones at the time. So, Oh, well, good. <laughs> I, didn't, so I didn't get in trouble for having a, bi- a big mouth for no. once. You never told me that story. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even, I doubt you'd even remember that, but I just, because it's probably 10 years ago, but I still remember that. Oh, funny. Uh, all right. So- how can listeners learn more and purchase the quirky world of parking? Well, uh, we've we've actually set up a special discount for the parking podcast listeners. Oh man, um, I love it! Yeah, twenty percent off by you have to go to my website because we can't do it through Amazon. But yep. I've set it up that uh, you, uh, parking podcast listeners can get twenty percent off by going to my website, LJ Cohen Consulting. C-O-H-E-N. And at the checkout, put in parking pod. And I'll even sign the book if you want it. And I could not do that through Amazon. Uh, uh, so you can get the paperback or the ebook. Of course, I don't sign an ebook, but. Oh, that's so awesome. So I'll, I will put that in the show notes and also post it on social media, the website, along with the promo code. I highly encourage everyone to get it if you're in the parking industry. I promise it's got some educational components, some moments that really make you think, you know, it's not just all fun and games. There's some really thoughtful, insightful pieces in there. Plus just some great stories you're not going to want to miss. So definitely check that out. I do want to, I want to add one story before we end it. Oh yeah. You know, after our last, and I'm so thankful to you for having me back for a second time on a, on a, on a better, a lot lighter subject, but our last conversation on the parking podcast made the book regarding our conversation on the EGOT. The EGOT. Yeah, I was so honored. I made the book. I'm forever cemented in this this legacy here. I appreciate our last conversation providing me good content for the book. Yeah, I I can't remember my acronym, but we'll have to see if if anyone's actually uh, got the Larry Cohen, uh, what's it, Imakatu? I can't remember, but pretty much yours. Yeah, you've you've worked in- Imaku. You've worked in every- area in parking, whether it's events, municipality, university, hospital, I can't remember them all, but you, you touched all of them. You get the special awards similar to the EGOT, which is which is a person who's won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. So we, we, we coined it. Yeah, go ahead, Larry. I'll do this, Isaiah. 
If someone can prove that they've worked in every sector of the professional, give them a free book. Uh, there you got it. And we'll, you'll sign it too, right? We'll get a free autographed book if you can prove you've worked in all five of those. Absolutely. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So definitely check it out. So Larry, man, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast. I really just wanted to, to get you on here just to talk about the book so we could uh, publish it because, or so we could promote it because I really think everyone should be reading this. So thank you so much, Larry, for joining. Have a great week. Thank you, Isaiah. Good luck. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Allison Gilly. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast, or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker Solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks, and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker Solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcasts. Are you interested in your parking organization becoming APO, Accredited Parking Organization Certified through the International Parking and Mobility Institute? Or perhaps you're interested in one of your green garages becoming ParkSmart Certified through USGBC? Well, the Parking Podcast is here to help. Our Parking Accreditations Consultants Network will ensure you are matched with the best site reviewer or green garage assessor available for a fraction of the price. Learn more at parkingcast.com slash consulting. This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, publishers of the industry's only soup-to-nuts textbook about all things parking. It's called A Guide to Parking, and several of our guests from previous episodes have contributed to this wonderful little textbook. Learn more and order your own copy at parking-mobility.org textbook. Larry, actually, why don't, do you have maybe a passage, paragraph, some sentences from the book that you can go ahead and read for our listeners so they can have a taste of what to expect? Yeah, Isaiah, I, I, you know, uh, when I look at my entire book, I, I didn't, they're all like their children to you, you know, it's, it's really yeah. tough to pick one, but I'll just pick a couple of sentences from the last chapter, chapter 26, the epilogue, the end of the road. And this is really a summary of kind of life more than the book, but the passage says, in the end, no matter what profession we choose, we should always put family first. Isn't that what matters most? I have been blessed to find a quirky profession that I have enjoyed and embraced for four decades. Most folks can't wait to retire, but I can't wait to get to work and see what new challenges and new stories arise. Call me masochistic about work if you want, but that's where I'm at. Oh man, I love it. And it's close to home because it's Friday afternoon, kids are out of school. I'm yelling at them to be quiet because I have to record a podcast and I'm thinking, Man, just a reminder of how you close the book. And one of my favorite all-time pieces is that picture your kid drew when he's little. I know he's in his 20s now, but the one that says, uh, world's greatest dad, parking only. And he yeah. drew like a little sign. I thought that was so cute. I was like, man, I'm going to have my, my kids draw me one. Uh, that was awesome. 
Thank get you, them while they're young because they won't do it when they reach a certain <laughs> age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mine's in middle school now. It's it's borderline. I'm still getting a hug here and there. So, and I didn't ask for permission to put them in the book. I just did it. So. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. <laughs>